Hi, everyone, and welcome to My Popular Demand, the Demand Generation Podcast, brought to you by the Revenue Marketing Alliance and hosted by me, Jason Brisbane. Every two weeks, I'll pull insights from some of the world's most talented marketing leaders to uncover the secret sauce of successful demand generation. In this episode, I'm joined by Jessica Brown, marketing executive and startup mentor. Jessica has held a number of senior leadership roles in the B2B SaaS space. I asked Jessica to join us today to share her experience and knowledge in regards to measuring and analyzing demand generation campaigns. All right, with that out of the way, let's dive in. Thank you, Jessica, for coming back and joining us today. So do you mind sharing your background to those who are new to the podcast? Of course. Thank you so much for having me, Jason, and the Revenue Marketing Alliance. I'm looking forward to another valuable conversation today. And in terms of my background, I'm a demand generation expert and leader dedicated to increasing revenue for global B2B SaaS organizations, ranging from C to Series D stages by 100 to 200% year over year through strategic demand generation activities. I've built and led integrated marketing teams partnering across the entire go-to-market function to exceed targets. I enjoy driving scalable and efficient growth while reducing cost per lead and cost per opportunity through a multi-channel approach. I'm currently the VP of marketing at Builder Prime, which is a CRM for home improvement contractors and a demand generation expert in residence at First Round Capital, helping support some of their portfolio companies. I've also worked for other high growth companies, including Poros, OneLogin, Open Envoy, Open Space, Reflective, and Rollworks. And I'm an avid skier and love to travel, discovering new places and meeting new people truly energizes me. Awesome. And thank you for sharing that with our audience. And just that broad and deep experience that you have just makes you like the perfect guest to just continue to have on and, and just talk all topics, um, demand generation. Um, so with that, let's get started. So I'll just ask, let's just kick things off with this. What would you say are the essential elements of a successful demand generation campaign? It's a great question. Uh, the goal is to create more pipeline and ultimately close one business and there isn't a single silver bullet. It does require an integrated multi-channel approach that makes the most sense for your business. So how you get there, you know, it requires experimentation across both digital and physical channels, along with cross-functional collaboration um, for the go-to-market function. And in terms of those channels, I always recommend moving forward with providing valuable content that maps to your customer journey uh, that will help your target audience. And what I mean by customer journey is top of the funnel, top of the funnel to middle of the funnel to bottom of the funnel. Um, and basically sharing this content on your website and pushing it in evergreen channels such as email and social media is low hanging fruit. If you show up consistently week over week, nurturing your prospects with valuable strategies and insights, whatever form they take, whether, you know, at the top, if it's through an infographic or a quiz um, or a blog um, or in the middle, whether it's a, you know, customer product webinar, you know, um, it will ultimately lead to those sales conversations. 
Um, and digital advertising channels, including Google, both paid search and YouTube, along with LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, um, and in-person events, those are traditionally the most expensive and will depend on your business needs and model. For some businesses, it's incredibly lucrative. Um, and, you know, depending on the stage of your company um, and depending on the amount of spend you have. But if, you know, you're an earlier stage company, these are very expensive channels. It may not make the most sense uh, depending on the keywords you're trying to bid for, um, if they're really expensive and you have a smaller budget. So just keep that in mind. Um, and as you gain traction with various channels, uh, it may, may say, make sense to additionally test out direct mail campaigns um, to show up in other ways um, to truly stand out to your prospects. But all after all is said and done, I recommend tracking the waterfall metrics of all of the campaigns and doing more of what works and what and less of what doesn't work. And of course, there's a lot of other channels I didn't mention. Um, but essentially, it's like, look at your CRM and your marketing automation system, see what's working, and just simply do more of that. And then what's not working, stop those programs um, immediately, just so that there's no wasted spend. Oh, totally makes sense. And thank you for sharing those elements um, with our audience. So now that we've identified those elements, how would you go about developing a demand generation campaign strategy that aligns to the overall marketing goals? Definitely. So what I would first do, and I shared this a bit in the previous question, but um, or I alluded to it at least, is create a waterfall approach to metrics um, as well as mapping marketing programs across the funnel. So to dive a little bit deeper into both areas, implementing full funnel metric, waterfall metrics, um, you know, this is definitely, uh, I should say, it will hinge on agreeing on a unified set of metrics uh, that the go-to-market team will jointly monitor and assess uh, effectiveness again. So um, before I, I go through the actual metrics themselves, just would say that um, you want to make sure this is, you know, gaining um, upfront buy-in and alignment so that it's not just marketing suggesting these in silo, right? It's with um, sales, customer success, and product in mind. So everyone's bought into these um, to make sure that you're able to um, essentially stay accountable to them. Um, and so what I would do is look at the past, first look at the past performance as that will be a key indication of what has and has not worked as long as you have that, um, the, you know, the historical data, right? If you're um, a newer company and you don't have as much historical data, then you can base, um, rather than base past performance, you can always look at like industry trends um, with your ideal customer profile um, along with like the industry you're selling in and whatnot. But ideally you would look at past performance um, in your CRM to be able to make um, some of those decisions faster. And looking then at early stage metrics, you know, in the first week, it's all about looking at the email clicks and opens, webinar registrants and attendance, content downloads, website visitors, and time on website. And then, you know, this is, by the way, like when prospects first come in, um, I will mention it. So that's why it's looking at the first week. And then when prospects are in for a few weeks or months, you know, these are the mid-stage metrics, um, looking at the number of MQLs, the number of meetings, otherwise can be known as SALs, um, you know, looking at the number of opportunities, otherwise known as SQLs, 
the number of call connects as well as the connect rate um, in terms of percentage. Uh, and then once the prospect has been there for, you know, a few months to a year uh, in terms of late stage metrics, um, you know, look at the number of opportunities, the number of new pipeline wins, um, number of closed one deals, revenue one. So the amount of money that's associated with those closed one deals, the ROI, and then the um, customer acquisition costs payback. And I will mention too, like these are very like general of course, people's sales cycles will really differ, right? So um, if you're selling to, uh, you know, SMB businesses, this might look a lot different, a lot more expedited. If you're selling to the mid-market or enterprise, this might make sense or even actually be extended further, um, especially with some of those longer enterprise deals. It will just all be very dependent on your business, I will say. And then in terms of mapping marketing programs across the funnel, um, you know, it's really imperative to break it up into three different sections, uh, the account warm up, key contact engagement and opportunity acceleration. So starting at the top of account warm up, the goal is to drive awareness, acquire the new contacts, build your email database, essentially warm up those key contacts and target accounts. And how do you do this? What are some examples of account warm up programs? You know, they include LinkedIn thought leadership. Um, it is something where folks are always on social channels for the most part, and some of them don't engage, some of them do. Um, and, you know, just showing up consistently, sharing, uh, you know, data-driven insights and helpful strategies, um, whether it's coming from the company and or your executives and or employees, you know, advocating, um, that, that is always helpful um, in combination with the top of the funnel content, like pushing again, blogs, short white papers, infographics, et cetera, um, you know, and include customers wherever possible. I will say like everyone loves to hear, um, you know, familiar uh, use cases that really apply to them. Um, so customer stories are the best social proof to include in account warmups, as well as SEO, um, something that doesn't just happen overnight, right? SEO efforts, you want to make sure it's like a very much like integrated strategy where you're being very intentional about picking out those SEO keywords, making sure those keywords are based on what customers are actually searching for, um, some of the customer feedback they might share with you in terms of like their pain points or other things on um, sales or customer success calls. Um, and making sure that those keywords are then infused in your content, um, like, like your blog and those white papers, like I mentioned, and other forms, other content formats, um, so that you're able to rank higher when people inevitably search for those terms. But again, this is like a very iterative approach. It takes um, a concerted, dedicated effort, and it, it is something that you want to just always be doing, um, as well as conferences and events. Um, this will, you know, again, like I mentioned before, these are typically more expensive, but it will depend on your business model. Um, but in in terms of those, like doing more co-marketing efforts um, and dinners alongside the booth sponsorship or any speaking engagements that you may have at those events, and then sponsored email campaigns with industry publications, um, you know, this in combination with sending out um, emails from your own database is super helpful to continue to get um, net new uh, leads into the door um, and to be able to nurture them. And then moving towards the middle of the key contact, uh, contact engagement, 
The goal is to engage and nurture those key contacts across the channels until they are sales ready. Um, so those engagement programs will include customer and product webinars, like I mentioned before, having a customer share their story and any specific use case of how they use your product is super helpful. Um, and it's great engagement tool. Um, and also I should mention that these could be broken up into top of the funnel. So you have a specific customer story um, and a specific product use, then you can, you know, make it a little bit more general and also um, have this to be, to uh, infuse your top of the funnel content as well. And um, database email campaigns with middle of the funnel content, like similar, you know, essentially those webinars that I was just sharing, um, as well as those direct mail incentives for meetings and opportunity creation. Um, and then at the bottom of the funnel, the opportunity acceleration, the goal is to accelerate that sales cycle, right, to close one. Um, so how to do that, you know, again, more database email campaigns with bottom of the funnel content, uh, those customer case studies um, that are very specific to certain use cases, if, if it makes sense to do them by vertical, depending on your business model. Um, additional direct mail incentives, you know, like at the engagement level, you might want to send out like a, a coffee gift card or something like that. That's like pretty quick to the point, but maybe you want to personalize it further or more of the bottom, more of the bottom of the funnel to make sure that they can like sign the deal. Um, you probably have learned a lot about them in the sales cycle. Um, and so maybe like just, prior, you know, personalizing um, based on what they've shared with you. If they if they like a certain sport, they attended a certain school, if you have something in common that you talked about, all things that you can definitely send like a more personalized direct mail incentive to, to them. Um, and then, you know, dinners featuring your customers um, are always helpful. So depending if it's like, let's just say it's like more of like an enterprise model and you're looking to close business, then, you know, maybe um, looking at your customer base and putting together a regional dinner um, and getting, you know, your top prospects to that dinner um, and making it like more of, um, I should say, like a special arrangement, whether it's like, you know, something, a dinner, dinners, uh, any type of meal that they've made it of expressed or any special type of arrangement, um, like multiply course meals and whatnot, um, not to go into too many weeds on the dinners in particular, but you can do a lot of different um, things to make them feel special. And then lastly, having a customer advisory board and inviting your prospects to that is super helpful as well, um, just because they're able to see, um, you know, right there how what the application of the product is and having them be thought and design partners for your technology is huge and also helps with customer advocacy. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And so in your experience, what would you say as far as like, what are the most effective channels for demand generation and how do you choose the right channels um, for your target audience? Yeah, another great question. You know, as I previously mentioned, there is no single silver bullet um, and it will be highly dependent on your business and your persona as well. Um, and so what I would actually recommend doing is partnering with your product marketing team if you have one. And being able to do some, you know, look at their deep research into your ideal customer profile. Um, you know, what are their wants and needs? Um, and, you know, what are um, the different industry verticals that you guys are going after? Um, 
along with like, do you have any friends of your own that are like in your ICP? You can always pick their brain as well. Um, and then your current customer base, if there's a way to be able to engage with a call, like asking your customer success team to be able to jump on a call with customers um, or listen to any previously recorded uh, calls, um, whether it be through Chorus or Gong or another technology, um, along with the sales team, you know, asking to join a prospect call um, or listening to any of those pre-recorded calls, like basically getting as much intelligence as you have in your toolkit um, and then being able to design those programs that go along with your ICP, um, you know, what makes the most sense for them, essentially. So um, hopefully that answers that question, but it's going to be very highly dependent, but we'll make sure it's always like very much gauged off of research. Thank you. And that's very helpful. Um, so how do you optimize demand generation campaigns based on data and insights? Yeah. So in terms of that, I would recommend um, doing a weekly iteration based on what you're seeing with the data trends. Um, so going back to your CRM, right. Um, and seeing like some of them marketing, you know, activities are going to be leading and some of them will be lagging. Um, I, especially I, I will say like, you know, very quick marketing programs. You can like see engagement are like weekly email campaigns, right? Cause you write them there. You're going to have people, um, engage their content and see how many down downloads that has. And then, um, and then, um, you know, seeing like where they flow through the funnel from there. But some of them, some of the marketing activities will be lagging, like events, for instance. Um, if you have a large event in particular, you know, you can have a great conversation at the event. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's like something where um, it's more influence than direct attribution as well. Um, and so following those conversations to close can take a little bit longer. Um, and so I definitely think it's just like dependent on which activities you're looking at. But regardless, I would recommend having a dashboard um, similarly, what I would what I shared um, before about implementing the full funnel waterfall metrics of having a shared dashboard and whatever your CRM you may be using, whether it's HubSpot or Salesforce or something different um, and making sure that everyone in the go to market function is aligned on that same dashboard of looking at, um, you know, those metrics across the funnel um, and seeing how, um, you know, basically your leads are going to uh, be marketing qualified to sales qualified um, to the various opportunity stages you likely have in your funnel, which is very dependent on your own business to looking at close one and just making sure you're constantly looking at, at on a weekly, monthly and quarterly basis and seeing how, you know, you're staying accountable to the numbers. So of course, if you're hitting your goals, uh, in my personal opinion, you have a little bit more room for experimentation. But if you are not hitting your goals or you're getting close and you need to make some changes, I would definitely make your bets off of like doing more of what is working and less of, and then, you know, pausing what's not working. Of course, that's my recommendation for always, but even more so um, if those targets aren't being, aren't being met um, and just making sure that you have, uh, you know, a meeting to go through this with folks. Like a lot of times, I think I found a lot of value on cross-functional collaboration because um, a lot of times it's, you know, again, not a silver bullet, right? It's, you know, marketing and sales, customer success and product all coming up with 
um, valuable insights together. There might be, if you're looking at the funnel and something's leaking, um, you know, like the MQL to SQL conversion rate um, or SQL to close one or whatnot, right? And a lot of different iterations of the above. Um, it might have something to do, um, you know, with like at, like any of like product innovations or could be what you're sending to the prospects or competitors. Um, there's a million different reasons, right? But it's all about like identifying like why there is a leaky funnel and being able to help um, solve that. So just making sure that you're able to look at that on a frequent basis and then have a meeting to be able to talk about these things live, whether that's in person um, or virtual, again, depending on your business, um, will be very imperative to make sure that you're able to hit your goals moving forward. Thank you, Jessica. That was very insightful. Hey, podcast people, looking for new ideas and resources to crush your revenue marketing goals? Our Pro Plus membership is your secret weapon. With Pro Plus, you'll be armed with a growing toolkit of accredited courses, real-world case studies, and battle-tested templates to annihilate the competition. With this plan, you get access to our Revenue Marketing Certified Core course, which will equip you with insider frameworks and secrets to dominate leads, campaigns, and feedback loops. We're also dropping exclusive master's courses so you can learn from the greats. You'll be taking names in positioning, segmentation, and more. Plus, score a free yearly ticket to our exclusive Revenue Marketing Summit at a location near you. Rub shoulders with the titans of the industry. Whether your goals are short, medium, or long-term, Pro Plus gives you the ammo to conquer them all. Lock and load Pro Plus at revenuemarketingalliance.com and start dominating like never before. So with that said, um, how do you attribute leads and revenue um, to demand generation campaigns? Absolutely. So I would recommend putting a field on your website asking where people came in from. So something along the lines of how did you hear about us? Um, to collect that offline attribution and compare it against, you know, your tracking, you're able to do, um, you know, th- from your marketing automation system, um, like your HubSpot or Marketo or Perda or whatever you're using to your CRM, um, like your HubSpot or, or Salesforce, again, whatever technology your business is using, um, but be able to basically compare that offline attribution to your um, the tracking capabilities and be able to have a healthy blend of both. And then simply put, I think first touch and last touch attribution models are effective. Of course, multi-touch is helpful, um, but I think for most businesses I've worked with, having a, more of a simple approach to it is um, is helpful to get that blend like I shared about, like I shared before. Okay, okay. And how would you go about calculating the return on investment, the ROI of your demand generation campaigns? Definitely. So calculating the total revenue generating from your campaigns is obviously key. Um, You want to make sure you're, uh, again, you know, the juice is worth it squeeze, right? Um, So this is typically done by multiplying the number of acquired customers by the average customer lifetime value. And then calculating the total cost of your campaigns across the various channels and programs, along with any additional resources leverage, whether you had uh, freelancers for content or design, for example, 
and then calculating that ROI by subtracting the total cost of your campaigns from the total revenue generating, uh, and then dividing this number by the total cost of your campaigns to get a percentage ROI. Thank you for sharing that. And so I know we're getting close on time. So I want to ask one final question. Um, and I asked this to a lot of our guests, but how would you use artificial intelligence and machine learning to improve demand generation performance? That's definitely a very topical, relevant question, I think, on most people's minds um, currently. And uh, it's definitely experimental, right? Uh, I think uh, for me personally, it's all about learning by doing. And there's so many things that are changing rapidly within the AI and ML space. And so making sure that you're staying um, you know, on those trends. And, but for me, what it has worked is using the, you know, you know, different systems like chat GBT and BARD, um, to be able to, you know, use for email campaign, copy landing page development, um, you know, other longer and shorter formats, um, and marketing, but essentially it's like using, you know, you could upload your brand guidelines, um, just so that these systems have something to look to and then be able to share what, you know, different prompts. Uh, I know that there, those prompts are always changing rapidly. So again, best practice will be finding them from um, the sources themselves um, from these AI companies, but essentially taking those prompts um, along with the brand guidelines and being able to then um, edit these programs much faster um, and then you can also like share like how they performed like in the system, like, Hey, this got X open rate X, um, click rate for this email, or we saw X amount of downloads for this landing page. But our goal is, um, you know, to get X percentage more, like what mechanisms would you have to suggest to get, um, you know, uh, our performance, uh, to be, uh, to be improved essentially. And, You'll be surprised they are able to um, come up with pretty quick responses. But of course, you want to vet them and make sure it makes sense for business. I think like best practice is having both the human as well as the AI touch on things um, and making sure that it sounds like it's coming from a human, right? And not one of these um, systems. So, uh, but I think it's huge and it's definitely going to help, um, you know, uh, essentially everyone in their uh, and their working communication styles basically pick up the pace and go to market much faster. Um, that's but that's been my personal experience. Thank you, and and yes, I'm looking forward to the next twelve to twenty four months and just seeing how AI and machine learning just continues to help us get things done faster. Um, so, with that said, thank you for your time today, Jessica. And as always, I've really enjoyed our chat. Um, if any of our listeners want to connect with you, how best can they get in touch with you? Thank you again for having me on the RMI podcast, uh, Jason. It's been such a great experience. And if anyone has any follow-up questions, please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. And since I have such a common name, Jessica Brown, I would also put in Jessica Brown Duke University. Um, and thanks everyone for your, uh, for your time. And please let me know if you have any questions. Thank you, Jessica. Talk to you soon. Likewise. Bye. Thanks for joining us on By Popular Demand. Don't stop now. There's more to explore. 
Dive into our other captivating episodes where we uncover revenue-boosting strategies, insider secrets, and inspiring success stories. Get ready to unleash your demand generation potential and stay ahead of the game. Keep listening, like and subscribe if you can, and enjoy the next episode.